Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds to hear and receive your word. In the name of Christ, amen. Earlier this year, in about January time, I attended the licensing of my friend in Somerset when he became priest of a group of churches in Mells, which is near Wells. As I read through the reading today, I was reminded of the words from the bishop on that evening. She spoke about the congregation, their worship, and their hope of growing closer to God. It was at this point that my ears perked up, and I admit I didn't quite really hear the rest of her talk as my mind chewed over the words, growing closer to God. It really stopped me in my tracks, as I thought it was a bit of a peculiar expression. And it makes the congregation sound like sunflowers reaching out for the sun, and that God is somewhere far off in the distance that has to be reached out, strained for, to get, like he is unobtainable. Of course, I have heard this term, growing close to God, before, but for some, time, for some reason, it really struck me as odd. So in the light of today's reading, I wondered how many of us still believe our discipleship lives are about growing closer to God. Is this where we really base our hope? You may have guessed by now that I do not think that our purpose is to grow closer. I believe the very idea is a misnomer, quite contradictory, to what God actually wants and what Christ showed by his life and death and resurrection. When we look at the readings together, both of them speak about us being in God and he in us. In fact, Paul speaks of this in response to seeing the Antheans alter to an unknown God. He speaks of God creating humans so that they would reach out for him. But he kind of adds in a little side thought, as if he was sort of saying off the cuff of his jacket, saying, though, we are not far, though he is not far from us anyway, for in him we live and move and have our being. The Athenians at the time were known as philosophers, and they spent their days discussing the latest philosophical ideas, such as those as Plato and Aristotle. They were either Epicureans or Stoics, depending on who they followed. Both groups made altars to gods as they saw fit at the time, just-in-case type attitude, as they believed there was simply not enough evidence for them to be able to tell whether the gods existed or not. And if they did, what, if anything, they wanted from them? As we learn about the thinking behind the Stoics and the Epicureans, 
we can begin to understand their attitude of shoulder shrugging, shoulder shrugging or couldn't care less. The Epicureans believed that the gods were far away and wanted nothing to do with them. This resulted in their lives believing that happiness was about being independent, untroubled by larger questions, and basically to live as quietly as possible with just enough of everything. In other words, never being brave enough to state an opinion that might upset someone. The Stoics believed that the gods were in everything, both in humans and in nature. So the, dis the Epicureans disagreed with Paul on hearing him tell them that God is close. And although that pleased the Stoics, they would have been upset to hear that this life is not the cold principle of rationality that they believed in. The life Paul spoke of was anything but rational, as he spoke of the living, breathing life of God, which is the impulse that drives us into relationship with him. Doesn't this sound familiar to us today? How often have we heard people speak of God being up there or somewhere out there? How many times have we heard people say that God is in everything like some kind of impersonal life force? Or do we ourselves sometimes fall into these traps? I wonder. You know, we now live in a world where being able to measure, quantify, and validate personal experiences is the driving force behind the way people think and discern the world. So individualistic has this become that tried and tested ideas of well-known institutions are now being questioned. Hence the rise in the popularity of the return to the idea that the world is indeed flat. I kid you not, there is a growing number of people aged 40 and below who believe that the world is flat and that everything else is a conspiracy. But when Jesus speaks to his disciples and us about God sending an advocate, he is explaining about himself coming through the Holy Spirit in an experience which a world confined within naturalistic categories can neither discern or measure. Jesus says, I will come to you. You are in me and I am in you. There is such intimacy here that God is closer than we realize, closer than our own breath our own heartbeat. Although we may seek God, he is already within us. Because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the gulf separating creator from creature 
God from us is no more. God now makes his home within each and every one of us. This is the blessing of the Spirit that God is in within us, and yet the blessings continue. Now that God's Spirit is within us, we are empowered to follow God. We are supported in our loving obedience to the teachings of Jesus because we are in constant communion with him. Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Such is the intimate relationship that Jesus offers that we no longer have a hidden God because in Jesus, the hidden God is made known and we love him in response. There is no need to grow closer to God because God is within us. We don't need to continually seek God because if we follow Jesus in obedience and trust him in our hearts, then our love for him will become abundantly obvious. We are then released not to only just help, but take responsibility in all the activities that happen here in church. This is the best news that as we attempt to do what we are commanded, to love God, each other and ourselves, we come to know the help of the promised advocate, the Holy Spirit of God. Amen.